This is an I Am Listening original podcast. It was a great comfort. It meant that we didn't feel like we had to rush out of the hospital and get away from what had happened, the event. We got all of the the quality time that, although a short amount of time, it gave us 48 hours of comfort. We could be mum and dad. I could sit and stare at my baby. I could sit and have a cuddle with him. I could bath him if I wanted to. That cold cot meant everything that you wouldn't have expected to need in your darkest hour. Welcome to A Journey with Abigail's Footsteps, a podcast about the difference this baby loss charity is making to lives across the country. I'm Nicola Everett, a very proud ambassador of Abigail's Footsteps, a charity that supports families at the most difficult time and provides training to healthcare professionals. Sadly, in the UK, it's estimated that one in four pregnancies ends in the loss of a baby. Despite that figure, it's still something that many find difficult to talk about about and families can face a wall of silence. We're hoping this series of podcasts will break down that wall. Parents will be sharing their own experiences, which at times may be difficult to listen to. But we will also hear their inspirational stories of resilience and hope and how you can get involved in making a difference to so many amazing families. Thank you for listening to episode three, where we find out how Abby Coldcots have provided comfort to so many families after the loss of a baby. Charity founder David Ward was only able to spend a few hours with his baby daughter after she was stillborn, so decided to buy a cold cot from Germany. He then enlisted a company in Kent to make a cot, which is now sent to hospitals across the country, thanks to incredible fundraising efforts. David Wall, the co-founder of Abigail's Footsteps. I just want to talk about the Abbey cold cots, Abbey cooling cots. What do you prefer them to be referred to? You don't mind. <laughs> I really don't mind at all. I prefer them not to exist at all, to be honest. But it's an Abbey cot. It cools. It's cold. It's functional. It's not very attractive to look at, but do you know what? It makes such a massive difference to so many people. If you haven't seen it, you'd think it looked like a hostess trolley and there's actually a cold area inside where either a sheet or, or, or a thin blanket's laid and then baby can lay in there and be maintained at the correct temperature. Without going into graphic detail, without the, the use of the cot, baby couldn't stay outside of the uh, mortuary for very long at all. The cot allows baby to stay with mum and dad for a considerable longer time and then if necessary go back to the mortuary and if necessary come back out again. I spoke previously about spending only a very few hours with Abigail. We now hear of parents having two to three days with baby because of the cot and the use of the bereavement facilities of the suite. So very important piece of kit. It's difficult because there are other products in the marketplace. There's a there's a Moses type basket which looks very pretty and it's full of blankets and whatever else. Unfortunately, it doesn't keep the right temperature, so babies don't last very long in the cot, and it's not very fair on the parents. So without ever wanting to be disruptive and upset other people about the products, I think it's very important that if people are fundraising for something, they understand what they're fundraising for and what the capability of that product is, because they are a lot of money, whatever you buy. And an Abbey cot or, or similar products out there will keep the baby at four degrees, which is the required temperature. Um, anything above that causes problems very quickly. What difference would it have made to you and your grieving process, do you think, if you'd been able to spend more time with Abigail? It would have made a massive difference to us. We, we, as I said, we had two, two and a half hours. 
Um, we couldn't dress her. The, the midwife had to dress her. She was so delicate. We couldn't hold her. Um, we couldn't take foot castings or anything. So we literally have a single photograph of her. Um, if we'd had the cot, we would have had far more time with her. And although we may not have still been able to have held her, we could have still looked at her. We could have still spoken to her and just spent time interacting with her. And of course, it's really weird. If you've not been in that situation, you're thinking, this is really macabre. How, how, how would you want to talk to a dead baby? Well, do you know, I think you just want to tell them how much you love them and how much you care for them, how much you're going to miss them. It's those sorts of things you want to be able to say to them that if she's gone and not there with you, you can't. And the cot allows the people to have that time. And so, you know, I, I'm hearing of some people that actually then have time to be able to bath baby or to walk baby in a push chair or even read to baby. These are important memories. You know, mum's carried baby for at least nine months, hopefully, you know, nine months. And to have gone through all that time and then to lose baby and to have no time with them at all is really, really hard. And the cot gives them that precious time. Was it one of the first things when you realise I, I need to do something to help other people? How did you even come across the existence of a, a cold cot? Because where, where did that thought process come from and how did you find that initial company to be able to buy one for the hospital? Do you know, it's hard to think back now. I mean, we're looking at 13, 14 years ago now. I think it was a lot of online research trying to understand what happened elsewhere, what happened elsewhere in the world. Bizarrely, there's very little in the world. No other uh, country seems to... I think some of them are now starting to do the, 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 the cooling cots, but it's not a common thing still. The company we found did it as a sideline. Um, that I think they were mortuary specialists and they had a sideline where they promoted this product. And I read the marketing material and I was quite offended by it, but I needed the products. So I bought the products through some fundraising for the Medway Hospital. But it was just the whole way it was promoted to parents and I just found it very distasteful. For me, it's a functional bit of kit. I think the most important thing that fundraising families are, they put their plaque on the on the cots for the memory of their own child, their own baby. So there are cots around the country with babies' names on, remembering those babies um, with mum and dad's name on, remembering those parents. An important legacy, I think, for, for many people. And um, even now, I think there's a very limited market. It's not something, you know, something we've ever thought about going into in more detail, but perhaps we need to perhaps expand our, our, our thoughts on that. I don't know. But um, at the moment, I've lost track of how many we've put out, the, the numbers that haven't been calculated from the outset, but it's probably in excess of 200 cots. And I, th and I think we need to think about maybe finding solutions for other people as well. I, I, we have, we've had inquiries from Australia and Canada before. We've not really pursued those because we've got our own demands in the UK to meet still. Bond Group on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent with a company recruited to come up with designs for and make the Abbey Coldcott. I've been speaking to Phil Proudman to find out more about how they work. Phil, thank you ever so much for being on the podcast. Firstly, I just wanted to ask if you can tell us a bit about the Bond Group and, and the work that you do generally. The Bond Group is a UK manufacturer of refrigerated display cabinets. So our prime markets are the supermarkets and convenience stores. So we do work for anybody from Aldi through to M&S, through to Waitrose, Asda, Spa, Morrisons, pretty much everybody in the marketplace. That work is carried out mainly in the UK. We have a factory at Sheerness in Kent. Um, so we're very much a Kent local business. Uh, we turn over around £25 million a year and we employ about 150 people. 
So an awful lot of work that you do. How did the relationship with Abigail's footsteps start? Who who made contact with who? Uh, well, I think it was actually, to be fair to him, it was our old managing director, um, Chris Willett, who was, uh, we were sharing a uh, Creston Reeves, who are the, the accountancy firm, with Abigail Footsteps and also Ward Securities with David. And a, a little bit of coincidence, um, a little bit of talking in the corridor, that type of thing. David Ward asking whether or not, to Creston Reeves, whether or not there was uh, somebody who could do refrigeration, whether or not they'd be interested in manufacturing a, a cold car. And Chris, being Chris, likes an opportunity. Uh, he, he said, yeah, come and see us. Let's, let's have a conversation. Uh, from that, David turned up with a meeting at uh, the Bond Group. And we sat down and we started to talk in our R&D centre about the potential of us manufacturing a cold car. And that was sort of the the start of it, really. And those cold cots have gone on to be so, so important to an awful lot of families. Can you, let's go back to basics a little bit. Can you tell us how they work and the construction of them? So basically, we took an existing cold cot that David had bought and we looked at that and redrew it. And then we've basically constructed a, a a frame. It's built with a frame and then it's built with a refrigeration unit that's underneath the frame. It's then cladded in like an MDF wood. Version 3 now is where you can actually take that wood on and off for easy servicing. So it's kind of evolved. It's got had two or three versions, really. And essentially then the, the, the baby can be placed into a stainless steel area within the cot um, and then mum and dad can spend a little bit of time with baby after their loss. How important was it for you as a company to make sure that those cold cots looked as inviting as possible, as not as medical as possible? Because obviously people are going through a very difficult time already and they want to see their baby but not in a situation that feels unnatural. How difficult was it to try and combine those elements? Uh, very difficult to be honest this is this was well outside of our comfort zone you know we manufacture refrigerated cabinets we do not this, this is a complete different line that we were looking at so we tried to make it as clean as possible that we needed to do f- with the medical side but also to break it up a little bit with the mdf so it was a little bit easier on the eye for those people who got to use it they're never going to be the greatest thing and if i'm being perfectly honest with you i would never like to manufacture another one again but I also am a realist and we need to step in there and we need to help Abigail's as a charity. Let's talk about the cost. An awful lot of families raise money for you to, to make them yes. because they're, they're not cheap, are they? These are expensive bits of no. kit that you're producing. No, they are, they're, they are expensive. Um, obviously, there's a refrigeration element in there, the frame, the build cost and everything else. At the moment, the Bond Group does it as a non-for-profit. So essentially... David was paying a considerably amount of more money per cot from a German company. We started to do it as a non-for-profit. Two reasons, really. Number one is we wanted to help the cat charity, and we like David. And the second reason, really, is that within our industry, you have to have what you would call a corporate governments or corporate responsibilities. Um, this is something that 
that, that for us, when we're dealing with large blue chip companies, anybody from, you know, Aldi to the co-op group, co-op group being a perfect example, when you're dealing with those types of companies, they want to know that you're you're doing something within your local community. You're not making money out of that local community. Normally, that is things like litter picking up and all of that sort of stuff, which you see the banks do and people like that. Valuable work. But for us, this was more of a personal note. So we we have people within our business who've used those cots. I also even have a next door neighbor who's used them. So it is very personal to us. Um, and what we wanted to do was also is to show that to our customers. So each one of our customers, whenever they've asked for a tender and they've asked for that side of the corporate sort of responsibility, we've included in there bits where we've said, this is what we do with Abigail Cots and Abigail Footsteps. You must be incredibly proud that these cots are now in hospitals across the whole country. How does that make you feel? Yeah, incredibly proud. I've listened to some of those stories. I've been to some of the cinemas that that that, that David has put on and that charity has put on. I've shed a fair few tears just listening to them. Like I sort of indicated before, my, my neighbour went through this and it's heartbreaking. So I think as a company, generally, we're very proud to support the charity. We love the charity. We are always sort of being pushed by David to, to do more marketing and, and, and shout about it a little bit more. But we do it because we like doing it. We do it because it's an important service for those people who use that them cards. You said the technology has evolved over the years. We, we see on a day-to-day basis how technology evolves. How do you think the cots in future might be different? Is there any way you can, you can change them in future, do you think? I, I, I think the cots will evolve, um, maybe different colours in some shape or fashion to match in with their surroundings. I think maybe we are looking at maybe a quieter compressor at some point. So I think the, the cots will naturally evolve. We tend to see a cycle with most cabinets that we produce and also with the cots where you get feedback. Uh, the feedback's important for us and then we we tend to take that into the design on the the version two so so to speak we're no different to a car manufacturer where where they kind of put a car out they get feedback they adapt it i think that'll probably go on with us as a company for for, for the cots and if you could speak directly to the many many parents who've raised tens of thousands of pounds to fund these cots what would you like to say to them quite genuinely i'm really sorry for your loss um, and also, every penny you raise, we will obviously manufacture those cots and they will go on to help other parents that suffer the same the same issues that you have. It's, it's a very dear subject to myself and also to all of all at the Bond Group. You, you mentioned earlier you'd like to not to have to make another one of these cots again, but I'm sure, as you know, you've heard the stories, you're providing a vital service. They are incredibly important. I'm guessing when you started with this company, this is something you never thought you would get involved in, but is it a subject you'd even thought about before? Definitely not. No, I've been at the Bond Group for 22, 23 years and really thought we would only ever do refrigerated cabinets. We also remanufacture cases and retrofit doors and all of that sort of stuff. And, and that, that's all evolved. Um, I never uh, thought when I, when I sort of joined the company that we would be branching out into manufacturing cold cuts. I think sometimes with companies, we have to take some of those, those educated risks to support people. It's part of what we do. 
our R&D guys like a challenge. There needs to be more work into this area. And I think that the government should put more money into this area. That's my own personal opinion. Going forward, we will continue to support the charity. And supporting the charity, as you say, David is a great man, very, very powerful man. Um, what, what's it like for you to personally to be involved in the charity, aside um, from what your company does? Yes, I, I like David. I've given up trying to argue with him. David is a, is a great character for, for Abigail Footsteps. He seems to involve you at every single step. We've met with some issues along the way in the development and, and the running of the cots. He's always got that that ear for you. He will always take the phone call. He will always talk it through with you. And sometimes you you like that reassurance. That's probably why we've we've worked so well together as a as a company and also with David as the charity leader. We've met some great people throughout the charity as well. Um, we also got the award which David set up for us with the, at the House of Lords and for the board of directors for the day. And the evening, yeah, we were all really excited. We all really, really enjoyed that evening. And we don't do it for that, but but it was lovely to be it was lovely to be acknowledged. And for the rest of the staff at the company as well, do they feel good to be supporting a, a local charity? As you say, you're in Kent. This is a, a charity that started very much here in Kent. So you're, yes. you're supporting something very local. Uh, yes, we have um, people who deal with the cuts, um, for example, um, in our service department, Bobby Carter and people like that, who who really do share a love for the charity. And the whole company does really. We've got it all on social media. We do we do push it out to, to, to customers. It's a great charity to be involved with. I, I would recommend it to anybody. Baby Loss Charity Abigail's Footsteps offers counselling for grieving parents and specialist bereavement training for midwives and healthcare professionals. With compassion and care, Abigail's Footsteps has provided solace to countless bereaved families across Kent and the UK. Their Abbey cooling cots have allowed hundreds of parents to cherish precious moments and make memories with their baby, additional time they thought they might never have. Your generous support, help and donations will make all the difference in enabling this incredible Kent charity to continue their invaluable services. To learn how you can make a meaningful difference and support Abigail's Footsteps, visit their website at abigailsfootsteps.co. As well as providing cold cots, Abigail's Footsteps campaigns and fundraises for hospitals to have dedicated bereavement suites for mums and dads. Kate Harris is head of midwifery at Medway Maritime Hospital. Kate, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's great to speak to you. I was wondering if first you could just tell us a bit more about your involvement with Abigail's Footsteps and how you came to, to work with the charity. I came to work with the charity through uh, my role um, as a midwife and now I'm head midwifery at Medway Maritime Hospital. I first met David and Joe shortly after they lost Abigail and had experienced their bereavement care at Medway and they had identified several gaps in the provision of the service that we provided for parents that have suffered a loss at the hospital So I worked alongside with them to improve bereavement services within the trust. And I believe that you were quite integral in the building of Abigail's Place, which is a fantastic facility within Medway Maritime Hospital. It's a bereavement suite that can be used by parents. 
For anyone who hasn't seen it or doesn't know anything about it, can you just explain what it's like? Abigail's Place is a self-contained facility, which is away from the main delivery suite. And it encompasses a lounge room, a kitchen, um, a separate bedroom and bathroom. And it allows families who have experienced a loss to spend time with their baby following birth um, prior to being discharged from hospital. It's a very beautiful and calming environment. It was designed with a considerable amount of parents who had been on our bereavement pathway not least David and Joe, and also the executives supported use of an existing area of the hospital to develop into what is now Abigail's Place. And what sort of difference do you think that's made, Kate, not just to to parents, but also the midwifery staff who care for parents who've experienced a loss? It makes a difference to parents because it allows them time to spend with their baby and also due to the space and it being away from the busy delivery suite, it allows wider family and friends to come in um, and to meet baby before the parents are discharged without feeling pressurised by time or without feeling that they are, you know, affecting the routine activity on on an extremely busy maternity unit. To the staff, it is really beneficial because it allows time for staff to have quiet, reflective conversations with families, to spend time with them supporting, making memories and facilitating their choices for next steps. I also know that the training of midwives in bereavement training has has been incredibly important to David and Joe and everyone involved in Abigail's footsteps. Would you be able to talk to us a bit about how things have changed since that training was introduced and, and what it's meant for your staff? So Abigail's have supported a huge number of staff going through bereavement training, not not least in my own trust, but wider locally and indeed nationally. The benefit of that for staff is that we learn from parents' feedback. There's a lot of parent feedback recollections within those sessions, things that staff did well and things that we could improve upon as midwives and healthcare professionals And that's around the way we communicate with parents, the options that are available to them when they suffered a loss, because there are many. It's a very difficult pathway for parents to navigate how we articulate and communicate those options to families is really important and that the language we use is reflective for individual families, you know, in relation to their their backgrounds and beliefs and wishes moving forward. And how important do you think it's been that Abigail's have in the past identified that as perhaps being an area that that needed some work on and and they have provided the funding for that. It it seems like it's a it's a real essential thing to help your staff but also to obviously hugely benefit the parents. Yeah, it's really important because we know from parents that we haven't and sadly we don't always continue to get it right. And parents, especially when they've suffered a loss, everything that we say to them, everything we do, the language we use, the way we communicate is is remembered by them. 
those few hours, days that they have with their baby are so important. And, and we have to, to get it right during that short period of time. And the training's been significantly beneficial in addressing gaps that, that were there previously, which now hopefully we have made a huge difference in. At Medway Maritime, as you described, you do have some really fantastic facilities, thanks to Abigail's footsteps. Obviously, the, the cold cots that they help fund are, are being sent to other hospitals across the country. But I'm sure you would like to see that sort of Abigail's Place facility in every hospital, wouldn't you, across the whole of the UK? Yes, and, and the national um, recommendation for bereavement care when, when parents have suffered loss is that there's a dedicated bespoke area away from the main delivery suite for parents to spend time with their baby. We are extremely grateful for Abigail's footstep support and we have two of their Abbey cots within our organisation as do many organisations throughout the country and those cots are provided by generous donations from families who have experienced a loss but again help, help preserve and extend the time that parents can spend with their babies. We've mentioned the inside facility at Abigail's Place, but I know you've got some other work going on to create an outside space. Can you tell me a bit about that as well? Yes, so we're looking to develop Abigail's Garden within the grounds of Medway Hospital. And this, the intention of this place is that it will be a quiet, reflective environment for parents to be able to take their babies, to spend time with them outdoors, because that's obviously something that is not often available to families who have experienced a loss in a hopefully quiet and tranquil space outdoors and help with those all-important memory-making. Finally, we can hear from Molly Hope, a mum who benefited enormously from being able to use an Abbey Coldcott. Molly, your son, Blake, was born at... Medway Maritime Hospital and passed away shortly after he was born. You were able to spend some time in the Abigail's Bereavement Suite at Medway Maritime. Can you just tell us a little bit about how spending time in that suite and being able to have Blake in an Abbey cold cot helped you and actually what it did for you as a family while you were there? So the cold cot meant that he was able to be with us for a lot longer. I remember my dad walking into the hospital, coming to find me and Mike, and he hadn't prepared himself that the baby would still be with us. I think he thought that that didn't happen, baby would be taken off. Once I'd explained that no, baby stays with us, that we get the cold cot, which means that everybody can come up and see him that would have wanted to, it was a great comfort. It meant that we didn't feel like we had to rush out of the hospital and get away from the what had happened, the event. We got all of the the quality time that, although a short amount of time in regards to obviously wanting a lifetime, it gave us them 48 hours of comfort. We could be mum and dad. I could sit and stare at my baby. I could sit and have a cuddle with him. I could bath him if I wanted to. It just gave us and the extended family the moments that, We'd envisaged for nine months that although he had passed away, we still got to do a short amount of time worth of things that 
we would have been doing had he lived. The bath, the photos, the family cuddles, everybody coming to meet him and to see how me and Mike were. That cold cot meant everything that you wouldn't have expected to need in your darkest hour. As you said there, your your dad just assumed the baby would have been taken away. And years ago, that is exactly mm-hmm. what would have happened. How do you think it helped your grieving process that you were able to spend those two days with Blake? Although, yes, they're memories and they're not memories that we expected... Me and Michael sit there and have a conversation about, oh, well, when we had when we had Blake, the day after, we wouldn't have been able to have the day after had we not had the Abbey Coldcott. So it would have been after the birth, the baby would have been taken away. The Abbey Coldcott allowed us to have those the day after memories. We sat and we could read a book. I remember Mike laying on the bed, cuddling Blake on his chest. Those things would not have happened without the Abbey Coldcott. You have gone on to raise an extortionate amount of money for Abigail so that they can buy more of these cold cots for bereavement suites across the country. Can you tell us a bit about what you've done and why you felt it was so important to contribute in that way? During the pandemic, Abigail's wrote on their Facebook page that there was several hospitals still without an Abbey Coldcott, which would have meant their babies wouldn't have been able to be with mum and dad for as long as we got. So I made it a little bit of a mission to get some funds in their pocket to put towards what I thought would be a cot. Three weeks later, I had raised enough money for five cots, which meant five more hospitals were able to give bereaved family quality time. For me, that cot was everything. That meant that I got my baby for a little bit longer. The thought of families not having that broke my heart all over again. So I made it a mission. Once I got that first cot, that that was easy, I can do more. And everybody else rallied around because they see firsthand how that helped me. Those, they are a vital piece of equipment and every hospital and funeral parlour needs one. If you could just describe what the Abbey Cot looks like, because when we're talking about a hospital situation, perhaps people think it's a very medical piece of kit. But although it's technically very clever, can you just describe what it's like for anyone who hasn't seen one before? So it's wooden on the outside. On the foot end, there'll be a plaque and it's normally a memory plaque of a child that the parents have put the name in. It's got a cot lining on the inside so it is cold it is a fridge freezer it is cold to touch but when your baby's in it they look like a cot it does look comfortable it's cushioned on the inside they have a little blanket to go around the baby and under the baby it does look medical but it looks peaceful it's it's nice it's not It's not scary looking, it's not daunting, it's not huge. It's solid because of what it contains inside. But to look at the baby inside, it is like looking at a baby asleep in a cot. And you've said how much comfort that brought to you. How much do you think it helped your family as well, who perhaps weren't expecting to to be able to see Blake? You mentioned that earlier. Do they still talk about him and that experience that they were able to have? Yes, Everybody has, all of our family have photos of Blake up 
because we could take photos, because we had the means to keep him with us and to preserve how he looked. Had we not, the chances of anyone being able to have, to even come up for a cuddle with Blake would have been slim because we would have had to limit to preserve him for as long as possible. So I think that the cold the cold cot didn't just give me and Mike comfort. It did give everybody around us, friends and family, the comfort that they needed. That I don't think they realised we became their priority then to make sure that we were okay. But looking back, everybody will still say, I'm so grateful I'm, I was able to come up and see him. And people later, like in the evening or the following morning, could come up because we had the means to. And what does it mean to you that you've been able to raise all of that money and provide those cots to to other mums and dads? I can't practically be a mum to Blake in any other way than keeping his memory alive and putting my loss into something beneficial for other parents. The thought of them not having what I had is horrific. The thought of them taking my baby off of me immediately, not giving me time to look at his little button nose or to take off his clothes to look at his feet. That's not how it should be. The parents need time until they think it's ready for them to go. So for me to be able to say that I've put six in total, six cots in Blake's legacy, gives the other parents what they need, but it also gives me a comfort that I've done something in my baby's honour that's also helped me mend myself a little bit. Thank you to my guests and on the next episode we'll be hearing how Abigail's footsteps has supported dads following the loss of a baby. Thanks for listening to A Journey with Abigail's Footsteps. If you'd like more information about Abigail's Footsteps or how you can make a difference by supporting or donating, please click abigailsfootsteps.co.uk or follow us on social media. This has been an I Am Listening original podcast. For more information, head over to our website, iam-listening.co.uk. 